Hello there and welcome to our radio show. Um, today I'm thrilled to have a great speaker with us, Kerry Purcell. Um, Kerry is going to introduce the topic, which is how to ensure your franchisees succeed. And if you're a franchisor or planning to be one, this is an absolutely essential element for you to listen to. I can tell you from my knowledge of Kerry's background and experience and the way she approaches things, you're going to learn some gems. Even if you're not franchising at the moment, there's a lot of technique and matters here we're going to discuss that you can implement to your business and for yourself, in fact, as well as maybe your team. Um, Kerry's got tremendous background. She's Her role is a business consultant, um, and she's got experience as a trainer. She's been a senior manager in the corporate area, acted um, as a consultant with her own business, and she really focuses on helping people achieve their goals. Now, that's a bit of a hackneyed expression, but it's still valid. You have to have your goals, and what she does is focusing on, really, with franchisees, the planning, empowerment, and results. So it's all about getting people up and running in that absolutely critical first 12 months. So it's empowering those franchisees and giving them the self-confidence. And the approach that Kerry likes, and why I like it, is because it relates to the approach that we have at How to Franchise Simply, which really is it's just so much around mindset, getting them through those hurdles, overcoming that that E-curve, if you're familiar with, of Greg, of Greg Nathan. So... She works to really help franchisors in making sure they help their franchisees succeed um, in that first 12 months getting over the hurdles. So welcome to you, Kerry. Good morning. And Good morning, Brian. Thanks, thanks for joining us. Um, um, what, what I'd like to do just to introduce, was there anything you wanted to add to your bio there by way of my introduction? No, that sounds um, excellent, Brian. Yeah, okay, no. fine. All right, well, let's get straight into it. Because um, we try and keep this nice and tight for time. So the first question is, uh, from your experience, Kerry, um, what do you think are the main problems that you see that franchisors face with new franchisees? Becoming a successful small business operator and being your own boss is an aspiration that holds great appeal. We all know that, don't we? So for many Australians, this is realised through their franchising. Um, some of the key reasons people decide to go into business for themselves could be freedom, as in they really hate their existing job, they're sick of working for the boss, or they can't get a job, so they may have been retrenched and looking for other opportunities, or they really need a, um, a sense of control in that in a typical job they don't have that. So they're things like they want to be able to work flexible hours, they want to um, uh, determine their own salary, they want to be their own boss, which is really a big thing. They love stop working for someone else. And, <laughs> yeah, and about their work environment and location. So they may have decided that they don't want to um, work somewhere else and they really want to work closer to home. Um, so why do people buy a franchisee over start, a franchise over starting their own business? That's a, that's another reason we need to look at. So one of them is risk avoidance. So they, um, it helps them avoid much of the risk of starting their own business. So it takes a lot of that risk out of it because they've got a proven formula and a built-in support system that comes with that. And the ch so therefore their chance of success is much, much higher. However, there are a lot of issues with this that come out with um, when people do buy into franchises. And um, a lot of them uh, relate to things like experience and capital, such as not enough working capital, um, they usually just consider the franchise fee and the cost of the shop fit out. 
They often overlook other costs such as solicitors and accountants fees which are, which are obviously ongoing and, and because your professional fees can be quite significant. And they underestimate how much working capital they'll need, that is to buy the stock and support themselves while the business gets established and that can easily be 12 to 18 months before they're actually starting to draw any money back out of the business to support themselves. Um, and they quite often go into it with a lack of appropriate business ex um, expertise and experience. They may well have just been working for a boss for the last period of time. Um, they don't have that business planning experience. They don't have um, financial and debt management experience. They may not have ever done any marketing. And they may not um, have done much in the way of employee recruitment and management. So they've got all those um, new skills and new um, ways of doing things that they're trying to learn as well as learning the business of the franchise itself. However, the vast majority of issues tend to relate to um, not tend to relate to their understanding of what they're getting themselves into, um, their mental attitude, and their fears and mental barriers they need to overcome to be successful. And many of them, those uh, fears and mental barriers um, come from those things around their lack of expertise and experience and their lack of understanding where they're really getting themselves into when they set out to buy into a franchise. Okay, so some of those 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 um, issues are that they have unrealistic expectations. So they may enter into a franchise without doing their homework and fully understanding what they're getting into. Um, they have a false sense of security. So they may invest their life savings and their future in a franchise business without appreciating their tender risks of all business ownership. So no matter how good you are at, 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 um, at managing your business and how much experience there you bring, there are always things that are outside of your control so that you are putting all your finances um, in many cases on the line. There's confusion sometimes between being an entrepreneur and being a franchise owner. So that they um, come in there and they see the, the nice side of it, but they think that they know better and then the um, people that have built up the business go, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and they um, may fail to follow your systems and procedures because they believe they know better. So, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. <laughs> we certainly see that one. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. that's right. Um, so if they're the type of person that wants to run their own business and do it their own way, they will struggle and they may feel restricted by the strict trading conditions often imposed by them by the franchisors. Um, they may not realise that they need to work really hard. So um, baby boomers in particular who are keen to embrace the option of running their own business may be surprised at the sheer hard work involved, even when the venture comes with the proven track record of a, of a franchise. Mm. There's nothing like this is ever easy. Mm. And sometimes they don't go in with a full understanding of that. Um, assuming the business will run itself, many people buy a franchise expecting a business in a box. So the misconception is that you open the door, customers will come and it'll run itself. So there's no guarantee that will happen, especially if the brand name isn't one that everyone is intimately familiar with. If it's a new one that's starting out, if it's not your Maccas or any of those, um, you know, um, yeah, yeah. All the standard type ones like rugby's established mm. brands, yeah. Um, and getting to that point where they're actually um, returning, um, they're actually really happy in the business and settled and understanding and comfortable with what they're doing may not happen fast enough for them. And then finally, it's that real fear of failure. So it's um, something that may stop them getting into the franchise in the first place that they just really can't overcome. Or even if they do overcome that, it's um, it's 
it's hard enough to start a business without the other pressure of I, I without telling themselves, I sure hope that I can make this thing work. If that's going through your head um, and you don't have that patience and optimism, then um, I think you were in many cases um, sitting out to, to fail. So it's that old law, the law of certitude. So if you go in there believing that that you have, without believing that you're going to absolutely 100% be certain that you can make a real go of it and, then, and you go in there with any sorts of doubts, then there's a very real chance that you won't be successful at what you set out to do. So yeah. it's really yeah. overcoming all of those. Um, yeah, those yeah. No, I, I certainly, I certainly relate to that, and I'm sure many listeners will. And uh, it's interesting. There's a lot of points there, and I'll, I'll summarise a few things when we get to the end. So there's a couple of little gems I'll throw in later on. But uh, ha- having seen that. Um, so I guess what you're talking about is making them entrepreneurial in attitude without being entrepreneurs because, uh, as you say, they often have a high expectation. So you're a, you're a franchisee. You're yes. an international franchise group. And yes. you've worked with franchisees or franchisors. So yes. what I suppose what brought you to this field? So why do you believe that franchisors need to be actually proactive in, in, in addressing these problems? Um. Okay, so the overall appeal of franchising a business is the capital it brings to enable the business owner to expand into other locations. And along with that, you get a a network of motivated owner-operators, so that's why people go and franchise their businesses in the first place. But to be able to do this, you need to be able to develop it in such a way that other people want to be part of it. So it's about making sure that you're out there and people want to come and join you rather than some other franchisor. So the two key functions that I believe a franchisor has is really producing, firstly, a quality concept and then attracting and supporting those quality franchisees. So that's, it's not just about having that concept, but you need to make sure that you're, that you're out there and being able to attract the right sort of people to your franchise. So if you do this poorly, first of all, you won't receive any income from them. Um, you'll have disgruntled franchisees. Uh, you may find yourselves in disputes with your franchisees and they may well weaken your brand name and and then adversely affect your um, business by association. So, the, it, and then the final thing is the franchisee may well fail and I don't think that anyone would really want to set out to see any of their franchisees fail. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the, def- the problem too is that I think sometimes people's definition of success is too narrow, so they think that just because someone's doors are still open that they're successful um, and they don't count them as a failure. But is that necessarily the case? I don't really think so. If they're not making any money or, in fact, they're losing money or the franchise is switching hands quite regularly um, because it's not a really good business, Still might have an open sign in is it window, but can you really say that it's a successful franchise? I would say not. Wouldn't you mm. agree, Brian? I, I I would agree. Yeah. Yeah. Whilst, whilst lots of people like to put a little bit of a shine and a bit of a gloss on it, a bit of spin, the truth is, yeah, there's a large, there's always a percentage of people that that aren't that don't succeed. One of my friends, Brian Cummins, who established Cash Converters, I remember his attitude was quite interesting. He's, he's, he's a very determined individual. You'd have to be to end up with 700 outlets in 15 countries or whatever he's got now. Exactly, but, yes. But his, his point was he used to spend his time working with the top 10% because his philosophy was they are the ones that took on board what he, what he taught them and they t- took the others along. But yes. he accepted there was the other 80% in the middle 
that were able to be quite good performers, but there was always that bottom percentage or whatever that unfortunately, for one reason or another, just didn't hit it off. So there's a a philosophical and a, a moral issue there that people have to decide is how much do you support someone that actually for some reason or other, isn't making the grade. So it's a matter of making sure you determined that they are legitimate. Let's, I, I hate using the word, word failure, but let, let's say it's to, to actually acknowledge they're legitimately not a real success means you need to analyse it first. Yes. Um, and that's something, from my experience, is very hard for the franchise all to do because you've got an emotional relationship as well as a business one. Um, exactly. Uh, yes. And I guess that's why I invited you to come along today because one group that I was a part owner of years ago was a pharmacy group, and we used to get coaches in, business coaches from one of the large international chains, and they worked with franchisees for the first six months, helping them induct. And I must say, it was an incredibly successful and valuable process. So it's something I encourage, and uh, hence I have you here. So let me just go to the next step here because. Mm-hmm. I guess we're sort of covering a bit of it. I don't want to, I don't want to steal your thunder, Kerry. <laughs> but, uh, what, what do you think are the key consequences um, if franchisors don't succeed in addressing these problems of their non-performing and less successful franchisees? Well, I think one of the, certainly the major challenge which is constraining the growth of franchise systems, um, the expansion of them in Australia, continues to be the shortage of suitable franchisee applicants. So, you may well want to grow your franchise, but unless you can get really good quality franchisees, it's it's going to be very difficult. Mm. And for most franchisees, the decision to join a particular network is one of the biggest decisions they'll ever make in their lives. So first of all, it's not just that they're going in to take on a franchise, but that that the fact about which one they're going to choose is a very, very big decision. Mm. Um, so to be able to attract the suitable new franchisees to your business those people need to feel very proud to tell people that they will be running this business, right? So that's one thing. And the company needs to have a great reputation for supporting and working with their um, existing franchisees. That's not just initially but ongoing. And because prospective franchisees will ring other franchise owners if they're interested in the business. So, um, And there will always be some people who are going to complain. But if people get on the phone and they start ringing around your other franchises and they hear a consistent pattern of problems, they won't go with you. They will choose to go with someone else. So it's really important that um, that you have a really great reputation for supporting and working with your franchisees. Hmm. Yeah, oh, absolutely. The, the, the implications are manifest. And I, I guess, you know, different, different individuals as franchisors will look at it in different ways. But I think one of the biggest things is those constraints on the group and the fact it can undermine everybody's confidence if you've got, particularly if you've got people with loudspeakers out there who are not doing well and don't feel that you've yes. done your bit. So yes. it's almost a sort of insurance, isn't it? If you, it is. If you can illustrate beyond any doubt you've done everything. Yes. Um, I mean, the reason I had seven bedsheds in five years because the franchisor was not selective. The franchisees that came in had enough money to buy one. Yes. About sometimes. Yeah. And not always suitable. So I actually bought a couple where he said to me, Brian, can you go and buy George out down in Hamilton Hill because he's not happy, he's never going to make the grade, and and the franchisor was in a poor relationship situation with that franchisee. Yes. So um, so actually um, 
he was very fortunate, Derek, in having the likes of me and Brian Cummins there. He said, okay, we'll go quietly, approach these people and buy it out. Yes. And then, and then turn it around and then sell it when it's up and running to someone who's a yeah. legitimate owner. Yeah, the right person. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. So that, that's very distracting and it takes a lot of time. Um, exactly. And, and the other thing that from a franchisor's point of view, as I well know from my time being a franchisor several times, is that it can be very emotional because you build relationships with these people and they've got families and when you see them going through really tough times and you understand the pain, you know, it's better off to use this insurance. So I guess in listening to all that, we don't want to make this all a sad story, but no. you know, the key is what we're looking at is trying to not just avoid people being unsuccessful, but make them super successful. Exactly. So it's not just about making, stopping them from failing. It's about making them really, really successful, which only helps in the long term to grow to grow your brand and to um, grow them and the, your um, number of franchises, really, doesn't it? So you're... Right, absolutely. So, so what do you believe, and I'm interested a bit in your philosophy and your sort of proposition, the franchise organ did to address those overall problems from that point right. of view. Looking at, looking at both sides of the fence, the, yes. the less successful and the yes. ones that obviously are going to be. And then to really make them really succeed. The and ones really are going to be Brian Cummins' top 10%, yes. the ones that knock down fences. Exactly. And that's yeah. right. It's not just looking at the ones that are struggling. It's very much about giving the others that skill set and motivation to really perform at a, at a, at a higher level, as you said, Brian. So obviously there's a lot of um, reasons that people fail um, that are out of their control. So they're things like the market conditions may change, the economy fails, um, the people who are involved may get ill, um, technology happens. So that's all things that are beyond their uh, people's control. But there's a whole lot of things that really are to do with being able to, that are controllable um, and manageable. So that's that's really where my focus is on. And... Um, so firstly, it's about make, obviously one thing is making sure that you've really got the people with the right personality traits and styles in the first place. So really making sure that people vet properly when they go through the process. But once you've gone through that, it's then very much about um, making sure you offer great that great initial training and support and then ongoing support. So um, what you tend to see sometimes is people can be very good with that initial support but not that ongoing support with the with the um with the franchisee especially uh, yeah so the first that first year is always the hardest and most franchisees won't make a sentence we've said and that we've said and need to work extremely hard so this is not only um that very uh, that they need to be financially prepared. They also need to be mentally prepared and mentally strong to take that on and and to really succeed. So really, those franchisees in that first year of business need to be we need to make sure they're kept on track to make sure they are meeting their goals, um, to make sure that they remain fully committed to what they're doing and uh, and looking at the longer term picture, are accepting of their reality as in this is what it is, but knowing that if I work really hard, this is where I'm going to get to. And they need to be continually motivated because it's very easy for that first year to, to say, oh, it's all too hard and throw your hands up in the air, isn't it? Oh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Particularly with those expectations that it's going to happen. You know, there is yeah, that. Yeah, it's going to happen overnight. I'm going to be there. I'm not going to have to work hard. I'm going to earn all this money. Well, it's, yeah, that's right. And that's where the franchise all comes to play because uh, it's really a challenge. It depends who's handling their recruitment or their sales of franchises. But obviously they're going to paint to a prospective franchisee, the prospects and the opportunities, 
exactly, yeah. yeah. But how do, you, how do you temper that realistically um, so that they have their feet on the ground? So it's, Exactly. It is, it is a conundrum. It is. Um, so, yeah, you would uh, tell me if you said it was going to be terrible and it was going to be all this hard work, would you? So you've got to try and make sure that they understand there's some great, there's some great possibilities, but you've got to have to work hard to be able to mm. get to that Yeah, so I yeah. think for any franchisor or prospective franchisor listening, you know, you've got to find that balance of just not being too excited and just getting carried away. And apart yes. from the legal implications, because you're making yourself vulnerable if you tending to mislead or misrepresent people, yes. you know, there's the moral side of it as well that you need to be realistic. So it is, it's a bit like the buyer's remorse story all over yes. again. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. you could be hugely successful here, but you've got to do what John and Fred and Jennifer have done, you know, and that's knuckle down and get on with it. Get on with it, uh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And they okay. need, yeah, and there's a few other things. They need to be... Um, Try and maintain wherever possible a bit of a work-life balance. So mm. that's more about mm. their own health, and, and that certainly leads to your um, mental state as well, um, and your capacity to be able to really continue with what you're doing. You need they need to understand why they need to conform, and that goes back to the entrepreneur issue that we were talking about before. They need to um, learn to manage their stress well. They need to be able to think creatively and to manage their fears and emotions. So that's really the side of um, side of it that we're talking about here. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah, because in, in effect, the most miserable and disheartening thing about franchising, what my feeling is that just to see those franchisees fail. Yeah. So yeah, so if there's if, so if you can provide the assistance and support of a suitable coach, it can be invaluable to help them to ensure their success, keeping them motivated, empowered, and on track to actually becoming successful. Yeah, I, I agree entirely. You know, mindset. I suppose it's only in recent years I've really sort of engaged with it and realised the huge impact that it has. And it, to an element, to a degree, you can manage your mindset so far, but. You have to train it, but there are those those underlying, you know, the, the gut reactions and the instincts and the old traits that you had going back to your childhood or whatever experiences you had that keep popping up. So you've got yep. to keep refreshing your mindset and overcoming those jumping in the swimming pool sort of intrepidation sort of exactly. activities that you undertake every now and again. You've got to, yes. you've got to do the Richard Branson. And we Branson. all do it. <laughs> you've got to do the Richard Branson and say, you know, we'll never get it 100% right. If we try and do that, it won't happen. So we've yeah. got to say, let's get out and do it. But in doing that, your insurance is having someone there to help you through those spots because they're That's right. When you're they will happen. Yeah, yes, when you're 100% exactly. or 80%, you're still going to suffer them. Yes. Okay. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Okay. So um, I guess when we look at that, uh, um, sorry, I don't know if I interrupted you there. Do you have anything no, to add you're to right. that? I was going to say, what I'd like you to do, um, and I'm, I'd, I'd I say to everybody who listens to our radio shows, these aren't sales plugs, but I do like, like to make them aware of, of what my speakers um, offer because even by way of comparison, I'd encourage anybody to have, whether you're a franchisor or you're looking for something for your franchisees, to have a coach. If you look at the, the Fortune 500 companies in the US, I mean, and these are businesses that have been through the GFC and in many cases have reinvented themselves, literally 85% of them have a business coach. You know, even even the CEO of Google. So just bear in mind that's not for that's not treated lightly. It's something you should look at. So even if they go shopping for their own benefit, what is, what's the sort of program that you offer and that you would be recommending that people seek for their franchisees particularly? Okay, well it's really it's really that first 
um, 12 months is the, the most critical. So it's really someone to work with those people over a 12-month period. Now, you can go for the really high-end one-on-one, very expensive um, coaching, but I don't necessarily think that's necessary. Um, and there's certainly um, there's other ways of being able to do it. And the sort of thing that, that I offer is where I come in um, and work with them initially on, on one-on-one for, and that may be only a, over a couple of hours, really looking at what they want to achieve over that 12 months um, and setting up their action planning, really determining what it is because they'll have their business plan, but really getting down to the nitty-gritty about what they need to do each day, to, um, each, day each week, each month to make sure that they're on track um, to achieving those 12-month goals. But then after that, I um, every month, Working um, usually by a webinar with uh, three of them together is the ideal way, and three from a three a minimum of three, but three is a pretty good number. Um, by a webinar, so they can be located anywhere um, around the country, and ho- and ideally they'd all be from within that same franchise group. Um, and we work through monthly. We work through a um, first of all looking at where they're at with their with their action planning and their goals, and then working through one of these um, mind management units and they're things like well, we one the first month we work on is commitment and that's commitment to what you're setting out to do to achieve and getting your mind frame right for that then we work on things like um, every month we work through a different module so um, and obviously check against those goals so um, there's things like procrastination achieving a balanced life accepting your reality um, conformity so the need to conform, that is, in many cases. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, or not to, but in this case, a lot of it is around, you know, when, the, when it's right to conform. Your thoughts, your words, so those are those negative thoughts we were, talk, we were talking about. Handling stress, which is a, is a key thing for a lot of these people. Thinking and living creatively. Um, mind mastery, emotional management. So it's really we work through those on a monthly basis and um, really coach them through that 12-month period. But at a at a price that's um is quite reasonable and acceptable, and um, uh, rather than going out on a limb and taking on a full-time coach, which that's would be nice, but none of us can really afford, isn't it, Brian? Yeah, well, it, it can be. We feel it's an indulgent. I don't. I don't think people waste their money, but let's let's. Yeah. This is a great way of doing it. So it doesn't, they don't have to be in the same group because we're looking at people who are getting started, only got one or two franchisees. It may yes, be they don't have to right. be. That's mm. right. Yes, okay. Exactly. Well, look, yeah. I, I think that's brilliant because if, if, you, if someone can help your franchisees overcome what I would call these mindset, mindset sort of concept issues so that they do get that life-work balance um, and they do understand what their commitments are and how to overcome these moments of fear and desperation and splitting the dummy sort of stuff, then you can see the, the huge impact it will have not just on them and on their franchise or but on the other franchisees and in the growth of the franchise group because with successful franchisees that understand and master these mindset issues, they are then there as a loudspeaker promoting your franchise group. So there's every reason why it makes sense. Have you got anything to add? Because otherwise I'll just summarise, uh, Kerry. No, that sounds great. Brilliant. Well, look, you've, you've exp- what I love about Kerry is her energy. It comes through on the audio, and that is quite a, an unusual element. So really thank you for that. It's, it's just such, such clarity. So just to reinforce, really, I guess, to all of you out there, just bear in mind that in your selection processes, you need to make sure, obviously, you're giving people encouragement, showing opportunities, but 
make sure you do draw their attention to the, the, the reality that in business, as in everything else in life, relationships and so forth, there are ups and downs and challenges, and they've got to be committed and be prepared to dig in from time to time. So the fact that if you do offer a coaching program, I think that's a huge advantage to people and a great sales tool in your recruiting process. So um, an interesting comment that Kerry made there about, you know, when you get started on the coaching program is referring to the business plan. It just emphasizes you must have your franchisee prepare a business plan from your template so they've got it there and they've got a roadmap to follow because then they can set some goals. But if they haven't got a business plan to, to have there and refer to and revisit every three months, they're really going to be loose loose cannons out there and um, it's not necessarily going to be, be good. And it means it's harder to get them on track. So look, I'd like to just wrap up I think I've added quite enough because I think you can all tell that my my support for this concept is significant. What I would like Kerry to do, um, if you want to get in contact with Kerry, by all means contact me. Um, but otherwise, you get me Brian at howtofranchisesimply.com.au um, and my direct personal mobile 0417-211-366. But Kerry, can you give us your contact details and I'll I'll make them available for everybody with the uh, with the radio show, but they may want to write them down now. So um, please um, yep. give us that information and have your yes. pens by your hands. Okay, mm-hmm. it's Kerry with an I-E, so K-E-R-R-I-E at Y-B-1-2 coach, C-O-A-C-H dot com. Okay, just repeat that for us. It's Kerry, K-E-R-R-I-E, yeah. at yb12coach.com. Brilliant. Okay. I won't say any more, except I suggest you rewind this and listen to it again, and you get some of your uh, some of your colleagues too as well. And while you're there, if you're one of our members, do go into that vault and look at the various radio shows, podcasts, teleconferences that have evolved over the last few years, and... Um, and, and really just listen to them. Download all of them. We're putting new ones up all the time, and you'll find you'll constantly be picking up new ideas and so on. So thank you very much indeed, everybody. I'll leave you there. Um, goodbye, Kerry. Goodbye, Brian. Okay. Bye, bye-bye, everyone.